With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually, now. You're I'm actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't hating on me, Chad. You know, I got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Yo, get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's... The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad Monday morning to you. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino here to wrap up the weekend of college and NFL football. Amo, how are you today? What is this? What voice is this? What's going on oh, here? That intro there. It's like the That's midnight just tremendous. hour. The midnight yeah, you're, you're like show. the guy. You're like the guy from SNL with the Cavassier instead of yes, Macho Man now, Savage. Earth, earth, wind, and fire coming at you right now. Oh, a little earth, wind, right. and fire. Let's cut the BS. That voice, man. that by the way, that voice you're doing, Chad, is much needed up here in the state of Pennsylvania this weekend because the Penn State off? fans are they're lathered wait, up. Wait, 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 wait! Time out. Are Penn are the people in Pennsylvania more angry than the folks in Los Angeles today who have backed the Los Angeles Ram franchise through uh, several moves? Who's angrier it, today? It, it, listen, you've never experienced Pennsylvania anger. It's pretty close. I don't think the people in L.A. are as angry. They seem to, like, mellow out after a while. They go get their Starbucks and go about their day, and they look out at the beach, and it's sunny, and th- they realize they're in Southern California. Up here right now, these people, I mean, oh, my God, lynch mobs. I mean, you're talking, it is crazy up here. It's gray. It's a December day before Christmas. Their favorite football team, the Penn State Nittany Lions, uh, in their minds, have been hosed, hosed by the college football playoff selection committee. And I suppose, Emil, I'm getting a tone from you, and just knowing how you are, uh, that you think they don't really have a right to be. Is that correct? 
no, you've accepted. Listen, you and I, I'm not going to go back and cover ground. If you don't listen to the show, you need to go into the archives. We've covered this for over five years, okay? If you're willing to accept a system where your emotional energy is invested in picking a champion like we do in gymnastics and figure skating, then you Mm. need to understand this is not the NFL. The same criteria does not hold. Win the NFC East, you're in the playoffs in the NFL. Win the AFC West, you're in the playoffs. This is not the NFL. Your conference is already rigged incorrectly. We talked about that last week. In other words, you're playing crossover games that count for the conference championship when it should only be division games. The only analogy I can give you folks out there who can't follow along is if the Dallas Cowboys in their crossover AFC games this year played the AFC South and the Washington Redskins played the AFC West. And then you said at the end of the year, hey, the Cowboys lit up the AFC South and the Redskins went 0-4. The Cowboys are NFC right. champions. It wouldn't be – it wouldn't be – a round robin. It wouldn't be the way you do it. Okay. NFL schedules are by and large homogenous. And what I mean by that is the Cowboys and Redskins, in my example, play the same 14 games. There's only two games that are different. And that's the one game you play against each division in, in the, in your conference that is based on your final record. So it's essentially you're playing the same schedule. You're not doing that in college. So, and, and the other thing I talk about, which again, you guys need to use Google you can't use this transverse property, which means we beat Team A, uh, Team A beat Team B, therefore we can beat them. It doesn't work like that. If that's the case, let's put Pitt in the national championship because they beat Clemson and Penn State. Okay? It just yeah, doesn't so work how, like that. Uh, so, so tell us, Amol, how exactly does this work? How does the committee pick the four teams, the four teams that they think are the best They've teams in the They've said from the get-go they have a set of criteria, and, and they said comp, winning a conference championship is important to them. But it's not the only thing. If that was the case, and you and I have talked about this, if winning a conference championship was the only criteria, well, then by definition this thing is jacked up from the beginning because you've got five major conference champions and only four spots available. And, and as you we like would, to say, true, Chad, and then we wouldn't also sports, need a committee if that was the case, correct? But, but yes, that's right. You wouldn't need a committee. And then as you like to always say, sports should be about what we know, not what we think we know. See, sports are meritorious. You win and you get in in normal sports. If you have five teams that win a major conference and only four spots, then you start assigning this, well, this conference is the best conference. I heard all weekend, all weekend I heard the Big Ten is the best conference. So I looked. I was curious. Yep, they do have four teams in the final top ten. It's the only four teams they have ranked, though, out of their 14. Now, the SEC's got five. The Pac-12's got five. The ACC, amazingly, has five. So maybe the Big Ten we're going to find out come bowl season was a very top-heavy conference. Maybe we find that out. Maybe we find out that the reason they've got four teams in the top ten is because the other ten teams suck. I don't know that answer yet. We're going to find out. But you can't just automatically say, well, this is the best conference. We, we can leave the ACC out, and now it's fair. We'll just, we won't have a committee. We'll have four conference champions of the five. Because then the ACC champions say, well, wait a second. How do you know we can't beat you? So right then and there, Penn State fans, you need to calm down with your conference championship stuff. Okay, because until you have a system, which I think mine works with eight teams, five conference champions, and three at large, and then you don't have as much belly aching. If you're belly aching at number nine, well, guess what? tough luck don't be number nine i mean you got everybody in but this way they have to pick four best teams you look at the body of work 
And you tell me where I'm wrong, Chad. You and I have talked about this. You played big-time college football. I think one of the toughest things to do in sports is win on the road, and it's really hard in college football and college basketball. So I sit down, and I peel apart stuff like that. I say, well, okay, let's, let's take a look at the Ohio State road schedule. Okay, They won a game at Oklahoma, who is now going to be you know, a top-10 team as the season ends, won their conference. They won a road game. At Wisconsin, and then by the way, the next week, the game they lost was the three-point game at Penn State. So I want you to think about what I just said. They played two top ten teams back-to-back on the road in their conference. Mm -hmm. And the one loss was by three points. And then they win a road game at Oklahoma. And then you sit down and you say, well, okay, Mr. Penn State, you had a great year. I'm not diminishing Penn State's year. 11-2, and nobody saw that coming. You lost to a four-loss pit team on the road, and then you lost to Michigan by 39 points on the road. Now, those games were in September. Is Penn State the same team now? Of course they're not. But you know what? You've got to look at the entire body of work. No different than my team, the Trojans. Great ball they're playing right now. But I can't just toss out the losses they had in September and say, well, put them in the playoffs because they're playing great Well, you know, there are plenty of Trojan fans that wanted to do that, especially – you know, down the stretch here in the last few weeks. I don't care what no. you set up, Amol. So, and I understand that you you have an 18 playoff. And let, let me just so I understand this: in your 18 playoff, the five conference champions are automatically in. Yes, and then then and nobody's belly aching. Then there's and then you have your committee. Oh, please, no different than basketball. Belly aching. Stop. There'll always be belly aching as long as Amol. You get a group of people, and you can tell me how mm-hmm. many people that is in this college football committee. So long as you have rankings. And you have a group of people that go in a boardroom and meet for a few hours, like a jury deliberating, and then come out with a decision. There will be belly aching. This is just absolutely ridiculous. Chad, the only of, of course, of course there will. But I get think in a room and decide who's the champ. But, but, who you, will play but I think team. as, but I think as a reasonable guy, okay. Aside from doing what you've suggested, which I love, is the the four power conferences, sixteen teams, win your division. You're in that playoff for the the conference title, win that, you're in the playoff. I love that idea, great idea, but uh, let's assume that's too much for these guys to figure out right now because they're, you know, they all have PhDs, but they can't seem to figure out how to put together a playoff. At least if you do my smaller idea, you have five conference champions that are in, so they there's no belly aching that we want a conference. You've got three at-larges. If you're com- complaining you should have been in because, you, you know, you're arguing between who's number nine and who's number eight, that's easier to deal with than arguing with, well, I won my conference, but they left me out because this year they think we're not one of the four best conferences. Or I won my conference and they left me out because this team had a better resume. That's, I think, an easier sell. Hey, you guess what? You know what? You're number nine. Sorry. You know, you can make your case to be number eight, but okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you know, is I, I – I don't want to discount what it is that you're suggesting because it makes sense under um, the current system that we have. If we mu- if we insist on we must have polls and we must have a committee decide who should play for a championship, that makes certainly makes more sense than what we currently have. But I'm going to remain in saying that we need to abolish uh, a poll system um, and we need to uh, forget about people going in a room to decide who should play for the championship. I just don't understand how college football fans have decided that they're just going to swallow that. I have seen college football fans go absolutely ballistic when their coach 
can't beat their rival, and they've, got, they've, they've done everything that they can to get a guy fired. And we could look at what happened with Brady Hoke at Michigan and see the power of fans. Yet, we're so willing to swallow this garbage that they're sending it. This is crap, Emil, just really what it boils down to. Chad, this, this is nothing more. Here, here's what they did to you. Let me explain to the fans out there. Here's what they did to you guys. They wanted to keep their bull system. They wanted it so bad because it's a way for them to handle the money and keep their hands on the till. All they did for you guys is they took their bull system, took two of the bulls, called them playoffs, picked four teams to put in them, and then created an extra bowl game for a championship. That's all it is. At the end of the day, you know, do I think if Alabama wins this year, they're the best team? Yes. That said, it's still not a playoff. A playoff is simple. Chad's system is a real playoff. Geographically, you take the, the, the 64 teams that basically make up these five power conferences. And I think actually the number, I did it the one day, I think it works out pretty close to right at 64 or 63. You take those 64 teams – you whack them up geographically. You create four 16-team leagues with eight teams in each conference. You play around in each division, play around Robin in the division. There's seven games. Those seven games, just like in high school football where they figure this out, will determine your division champion. You play a couple crossover games and whatnot for your resume because you need to play other games. You need revenue. You have your championship of each conference, and then you got four teams. Yeah, well, um, not, not, not happening. Yeah, it's not happening anytime soon, and so we're going to be left with this every year. But and, can um, I go back to my point? I want to ask you this. Next year, and that's just the way that it's going to be. I want to ask you this because they have coaches on the committee, so I'm putting you on the committee, okay? Given the criteria and the, the system we have, and that's what we have to deal with, not what we wish we had, not what we think we have. What they've been chartered to do is to pick – the four best teams based on their expertise, okay? And I have nothing against Penn State. I'm thrilled with the Rose Bowl game. I love seeing a game like that. It's two of the great programs in the history of college football. But Penn State's road games, a loss at Pitt, a loss at Michigan, a win at Purdue, a win at Indiana, a win at Rutgers. Penn State, before the Big Ten neutral game in the championship, played five road games out of 12. Two of them were losses. The other three were against teams that are garbage. Let me repeat, Purdue, Rutgers, and Indiana. I'll say Indiana maybe not total garbage, but they're certainly not a powerhouse, okay? Then I'm going to read you Ohio State's road games because you know that's what's important here. At Oklahoma win, at Wisconsin win, at Penn State lost by three, at Maryland, at Michigan State. It's a better road schedule. The at Penn State was also, you know, a back-to-back. You at Wisconsin, back you're back. at Penn State. And here, here's so, what I think you know, happened kind of, this year, Chad. That game, then, that's how you. But here's what it. I think happened. I honestly think these guys got in a room. Okay, I think they made a legitimate mistake last year. If you recall last season, Michigan State won the Big Ten uh, East Division on a similar situation. The scheduling worked out for them. They beat Ohio State 17-14. They had that goofy win against Michigan that won them the division, essentially, when, when Harbaugh couldn't get a punt off and they returned it, okay? They finished 11-1. and They beat Iowa in that 24-21 Big Ten title game. Deep down inside, I believe that the people in that room, that five of them are college football coaches, deep down inside last year, I think they knew Ohio State was a far better team on a neutral field than Michigan State, and if they played them ten times, probably beat them eight or nine. 
they went and they did what they thought they should do. They put the conference champion in. So Ohio State goes to the Fiesta Bowl, beats a top 10 Notre Dame team like a drum, finishes 12-1, and has 12 or 11 or 12 players drafted in the NFL draft, two of the top four in the draft. Clearly, in my mind, the only team last year that on the field could have played with Alabama. Clemson, I know, played a five-point game, but they were trailing that whole game. Deshaun Watson was magical. I think Ohio State was the only team that could match up Alabama up front last year. They made a mistake. Mm-hmm. They said Michigan State, we get a 38 nothing semifinal game. It was a joke. Michigan State couldn't move the football. I'm not sure when they got past midfield. It might have been the third quarter. It was a joke. And I don't think they want right, that this so year. You, under under what, what it is we have that we've been force-fed, that we have to deal with, you feel like the four teams that are in there are the four teams that should. Listen, all right, why don't we do this, Emil? All right? And, we're, by the way, there are – there are other things going on in college and NFL football today, but we're just focused on this right now. We do need to ask a very important question, uh, which is the Los Angeles Rams and Jeff Fisher. What the hell? But we'll get to that. But staying on this right here, if you are going to put the four best teams in college football right now in this college football playoff, Emil Calamino, who are your four? Well, I'm going to lather a couple of people up. I'm going to lather a couple of people up right now, and I'm not doing this for now. Here's my best four right now. If you say who played the best this season, I'm taking Alabama and putting them at one, two, and three. No, I'm taking Alabama. They're number one. Yeah, for someone who's just then watched them live on Saturday, no disagreement. Yeah, Yeah, there's a huge gap, in my opinion. I'll I'll be shocked if they don't win this thing pretty easily. Anyway, Alabama. Then, based on the, the body of work, Ohio State, and it's very close. Because this, this is where people are going to the four best teams in college football right okay, now. Okay, Ohio State too. This is where people are going to get pissed at me. I'm putting Michigan at number three. I've seen mm. Michigan this year. Um, one point loss at Iowa doesn't doesn't hurt me. With I mean that's a road game in the conference, and Iowa still finished eight and four. Wasn't their best team, but they weren't horrible. And then they, they lose a three-point over. I don't understand how anyone in their right mind, if anyone can just remove their fan hat, remove their fandom, Michigan just played at Ohio State, and it, it went to overtime for the Buckeyes to get yes. a win. The Buckeyes are in this thing. They're in yes. it. So how yes. you can tell me Michigan should be? All right, well, that's what I'm, trying, I'm trying to tell you, as a guy who watched a lot of football in my life, and I don't like Michigan or Ohio State, everybody who listens to this show knows I'm a diehard USC fan, so I really don't like Ohio State and Michigan, trust me. But I'm telling you, I watch enough football in my life, that Michigan team is one of the four best teams. I mean, they play great defense, they run the ball, they lost to a team that's in the damn thing, as you just pointed out. They beat Penn State by 39 points, and no, I know Penn State fans are going to say, early, I get it. Are they 39 points better every day? No. Are they a couple touchdowns better than Penn State in my mind? Probably. You know, 10 points better? Probably. Okay? My fourth team, I mean, based on what they've done this year, I I put Washington in there. I say, okay, they have a loss. They lost to a top-10 team, USC, at home. Clemson has a loss. They lost to a four-loss Pitt team that I don't believe finished in the top 25. So, for me... Who has the and the loss? Come on, come on, come on! Stop! Flag on the play. Flag okay, what's your flag? Play. Cut it. Embrace the and listen. Embrace the controversy. Let your nuts hang. Tell the damn truth. You want to put USC in there? I do. No, I I don't because because I, I again I, do I listen? If you're saying no, let me finish. If you're saying to me, are they playing 
the best football with uh, – are they one of the four teams playing the best football right now? I'll say that unconditionally I believe they are. But you got to count the whole season. You can't – Why? You can't remove – why? Well, then otherwise, you know, you could lose your first six games and say, well, you know what, we changed this, this, and this, and we, we beat three top ten teams and finished six and six. We're playing great ball right well, now. Let's, let's throw you in games, there. But they're badass right now, man. Let's, like, you know, give your team props. We're, I'm going through this with you on the Cowboys. They didn't lose six games, okay? They didn't. They lost three. And the last loss came in September for crying Chad, I'm out loud. I'm as big a homer as you'll ever find in your life, and you know me. You know me almost 20 years. I'm a homer, but I got, I'm trying to be both. Uh, put that aside, friend, fair as well. Team that you're trying to put in at number four and beat them by two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. On their field, by the way. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I know. said that. They went to. Do you know how hard it is to win in Seattle? Whether it's the pro team or the college team, they went there and beat them by two touchdowns. Well, week before here, they here's what I will rival. say. Here's what I will say, and what I think is a shame for them. For them, I think that first game that Darnold started at Utah, where they had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, and nobody knew how this season would unfold. At the time, you just thought, well, he lost his first start, no big deal. You know, I, you, had they won that game at Utah, not blowing that 10-point lead. Adoree Jackson slips, allows a 20-yard touchdown pass with 15 seconds left. They go 10-2. and two, They won that division. They would have played Washington and most likely beaten them again. There was nothing to suggest to me they wouldn't have. At 11-2, and two, USC would have been in this playoff. Sure. But I want to put them in not, so. where they are now, but you won't let me. You won't. Well, let me ask you this. Let's not get in a fight over my fandom and you trying to support my team, which I appreciate. Lately, you've been doing that better Forget than that. I have. It's um, not about trying to support your team. It's straight up. Look, if we're not going to include, if if the playoff, if the if the if the, if the conference championship doesn't mean as much as people out there want it to mean to this committee, and we're just putting in the best four teams, then that's in my mind what we're doing here. All right, Alabama. No one's been able to touch them. All right, Ohio State, if you got Ohio State in there, and they've had, they have one loss on the road, it was a back-to-back, three-point loss to Penn State, cut them some slack. And if you're going to put Ohio State in there, and I feel they're one of the best teams in the country, you've got to put Michigan in there, as I explained. Michigan went to Ohio State, and the thing went to overtime, and there was controversy, and uh, Jim Harbaugh threw his, his play sheet and was pissed. It, it, it was that close of a game. So you put Michigan in there, and then USC beat Washington at their place by two touchdowns. And USC right now is playing lights-out football. No one's been close to USC in their last six games, Emil. They've beaten everyone by two touchdowns. Let me ask you this. Let me quiz you now. Let me quiz you. Do you agree with me in saying that you think, although they have a nice, shiny record at 12-1, and that if you're, if you're picking the four best teams, you agree with me that Clemson is not one of the four best teams based on how they've no. played this season so far? No, Clemson probably could have had themselves a nice little loss over there against Louisville. All right. They ended up losing a game to an unranked pit team at home, by the way. Okay. Don't Michigan forget the State, NC State I mean, game. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, they had their issues with that. They've had problems at a number of places. All right. So, um, but the most glaring one for me is, look, Mich- uh, Penn, uh, Ohio State's loss on the road at Penn State, a Penn State team who ended up winning the entire conference, by the way. Michigan's loss, um, you know, it was on the road against Iowa, and then you played to, you know, you played to the tip of your nose against Ohio State at their place. 
Uh, Clemson's had too much trouble this year. And then you went ahead and lost yourself a game at home to Pitt. So I just can't buy into Clemson being there. Close, but you're not in, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, listen, and, I have but, Penn State alumni. I have Penn State alumni in my family, so I'm not necessarily a hater. Matter of fact, most times when we do our preview show every year, I find more wins that f- for Penn State than you do. So, you know, you, a couple of years when they weren't that good, you were chuckling at me. But um, that said, you know, I think people have to put aside their fandom a little and try to analyze. The order of your schedule means something. Now, if Penn State was 11-2 and two and Ohio State was 10-3, and three, I'd be fine with saying, yeah, put Penn State in. They had a better record. They won the conference. As you pointed out, the fact that they won at Wisconsin and then the next week played Penn State in the rain, lost by three on a blocked field goal, the order of those games matters. Playing those two teams back-to-back is something Penn State did not have to do on their schedule. They yeah, did not man, have to play two teams. To do that, you understand just how um, difficult a thing that is to do. There are many people, I guess, who don't understand that. No, they just see the games in order, and they see, they'll say, well, we played this team and beat them. You can't – I understand they want to do that because most fans like college and pro football, and they're completely different sports – the way they award championships is different. The fact that in pros you can lose games. You hold guys out. If you're ahead, you might say, well, we can afford a loss here. I'm not going to have this guy get hurt for three more games. College is completely different. The order you play those games matter. You have to look at that. It's a shorter season. You're, you know, back-to-back like that is brutal. Penn State had everything they did, had could do on Saturday. Mount it probably the best comeback I've seen maybe since – Buffalo came back against the Oilers in 92. They did, they did that to beat Wisconsin. Props to them. That was phenomenal. That was on a neutral field. Ohio State did beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin, and then they had to play you on a Saturday night primetime game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, listen, it is what it is. This thing's going to continue to be controversial, and we're just going to have to figure out how much um, the uh, college football powers that be um, think that this is okay. Uh, there may need to be a boycott at some point. People are pretty Chad. They love it. Ohio. Chad, they love it. We just spent 25 minutes, two guys like us talking about it all weekend. Facebook and Twitter was lit up with this stuff. It's kept the sport in in the in the public eye, even as the NFL season rages on. They're looking for dollars. They don't care about necessarily. Wouldn't there still be the same level of interest or even more if you just had a legit playoff? And I mean to the point, and when I say legit playoff, I mean to the point of what I've put together, where you've got, uh, where you put all 120 teams in conferences and then you went ahead and had a playoff like every other damn team sport in, in the world. I mean, in, in, a, in a perfect soccer, world, in, in a perfect world run by playoffs. people that love sports, I would agree with your system 100%. But we know the way these guys operate; they have a several agendas, and awarding championships correctly in Division One football is not at the top of that list with this sport. It's a cash cow for them. They worry about keeping their hands on the cash, and as much of it as they can. Um, the conference things are territorial. They've set up good old boy networks inside uh, little pockets of the country where they control this money. What you're doing is way too much out in the daylight. It eliminates a lot of what these cats love about what they control here. And uh, at the end of the day, do I think you're, you got a great – what you put together was well thought out. And I'm not saying it because you're my friend or we do a show together. I, I've read over it over the years. I know you've tweaked it over the years. You've worked at it. I think it's a great system. 
I would love to see somebody read it that it matters and 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 consider it, but I don't think these guys will ever take their hands off the purse strings. Yeah, just too much uh too much money involved for them there. All right, we're gonna have to leave this discussion there. I'm sure it'll continue on and on through social media. God forbid any one of these four teams get blown out during this college football playoff thing, uh then everyone will be up in arms. There'll be much more commentary on this to come. Uh, there's other stuff to be that folks are angry about today, mainly those folks in Los Angeles. How did Jeff Fisher celebrate his contract extension? We'll talk about that when we get back on this Gridiron Stud Show right after this short break. We'll be right back right after this. This is the end. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. All right, we're back after the quick break here on the Gridiron Stud Show, uh, Monday morning wrap edition. Uh, and, well, before the games even started yesterday, something uh, I just couldn't believe happened. Uh, listen, we joke. Does he have nudes? Uh, <laughs> does he have some big friends up in high places? We've joked about all these things. But really, Amol, the Rams extended Jeff Fisher. Um, before the year's over, he will be the, the losingest coach in the NFL history, I believe. What gives there? What is this franchise Listen, doing? I put that up on Facebook, and you said, really? I remember I was reading it to Denise. I was in Philadelphia over the weekend, early celebration of the anniversary, and we are leaving the going to breakfast, and I put that up. And I said, here, Chad, I showed my wife. I said, he just put, really? Like, you couldn't believe it's it when I put that up, could you? Yeah, I, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I thought you were playing, I, I thought you were playing around. And no, they did that. What the hell? I'll tell you what. True true statement, okay? This guy's coach, you pull this up, okay? I'm not going to count his first year in Houston when he was the interim coach in 1994 at 1-5, and okay? He's been an NFL coach for, let's see, 16 seasons in Tennessee, Houston, and five more counting this year with the Rams, okay? He's had one, two, three, four, five, six. He's had six out of 21 non-losing seasons. He's gone eight and eight. Eight and eight, Jeff Fisher. He did it three, four, five. He's gone eight and eight five times. He's he's had six winning seasons, and he's had ten losing seasons. The guy's career record is 173 and 163. It's the definition of mediocrity, and the sample size is huge. Huge. He's got 21 years. Thoroughly don't understand. I don't you understand. Don't look to me for answers, buddy. I've, I told you my theory. Somehow he's got pictures of Stan Kroenke with a hooker or something. Either that or he, he buys him weed and Kroenke does. I don't know what it is. I really don't because I, I can't see how any owner that's worth billions of dollars who's a smart individual probably to have made that money could could think it's smart to rehire and re-up this guy. Don't get it. And And, and so, you know... 
catching the luck, however he did, um, what does he go out this real stroke of luck, which is what it is? He goes out and loses his third game in a row as uh, head coach of the Rams. Uh, it's also the seventh loss in the last eight game for the Rams. What has he shown throughout this year that would say, extend me, the lone win during this disastrous eight-game streak is uh, a win over the Jets by three points. You kick three field goals, and you beat the Jets. That's it. Well, but let me ask you something else. Let me ask you something else, and there's, there's another thing in play here, another issue I have. Not only did they extend him, they extended the GM. Okay, the GM put this sorry sack roster together. Well, they don't have a, a wide re- point. I don't know. I, I don't know how they run their franchise. All I can tell you is that they don't have a receiver on that roster that, you know, week in, week out scares anybody. Um, they, they have a rookie quarterback that was the number one overall pick. They had to sit him for 10 games. He wasn't ready. That's fine. He's a rookie. They finally put him in after sitting for 10 weeks. Now, we've seen other rookies, and I'm not going to say they should all be Dak Prescott. Not everybody is that. But we've seen other guys play quarterback competently this year as rookies. Jeff Goff yesterday, 14 of 32, 161 yards. That's five yards in attempt, folks. A 43.9 quarterback rating for the game. Two interceptions. Took four sacks. Well, they were paying. They were playing the Patriots. So if we can just but release the a little bit not, of listen, the Patriots game. defense we've we've talked about. It's it's a it's an it's a you can win if you're the Patriots with that defense because of their offense, but it's certainly not the Ravens or the Vikings or the Seattle Seahawks defense. Okay, it's not. They don't they don't usually sack the quarterback a lot. They got four yesterday. <laughs> the Rams have scored ten points or less in five of their last six games. Emil, I don't know if there's ever been offensive futility like this ever. Ten points or less in five well, of the last six games. And here's what they've, they've got taken, coming up. The Rams are sitting here at four and eight right now, Emil. They're four and eight. They're next week they're against a Falcons team that lost a very bad game yesterday that will be fully pissed um when they oh, yeah. show up to play the Rams. Then they're at Seattle, wholly four and ten. And then you're gonna finish out the season uh at home against the forty ers which is gonna be a very stiff game, and then you're playing the Cardinals. The Rams look like five and eleven at best right now. This is a guy you extended. You extended the guy that did this. Well, but you have to give him credit for one thing. He was prophetic on hard knocks when he said, I'm not taking any more of this 7-9 and nine shit. He isn't. He's going to go 5-11. and 11. <laughs> Oh, man. I just It's one of those moves that I think I will never understand. All right, let's talk about these NFL games last week. I, just, I, I mentioned this. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it. I know you you see as much uh, NFL uh, on Sunday as anyone else. So the Falcons, um, they're going. They're playing the Chiefs. It's a back-and-forth deal. Uh, Matt Ryan works his little magic, gets them down there. They're up 28-27, and then they're trying to go for two points. And as luck would have it, uh, Ryan throws his second interception of the day to Eric Berry, who takes it 100-plus yards the other way. And it's two points for the Chiefs. And lo and behold, that's the game-winning play. How do you feel if you're a fan of the day? Well, you can't blame the coach, first of all. Um, 
because he's, he's That's up one. That's a move one. you got to make. You go for two. You got it. That's a move you got to make because there's four minutes left in that football game. You know, maybe if there's 20 seconds left, I say, I say just take a knee because the chances are of them, you kicking off and them getting a field goal are not good. And we, we do know defensive points have been scored this year in extras. But with four minutes left, you've got to go for two. So that play is on two people. That's on Matt Ryan for making a horrible decision and Eric Berry for making a great play. I personally will be the first to admit when I'm wrong, I did not like originally the extra point being moved back because I think that's just the conservative nature of me. I like sports the way I don't like to alter the sports that I love a lot. I will admit I think it's been great. I think having uh, a pro yeah, kicker. I was, I was with you on that too. You know, I, I think I was making the joke that, man, they have these off-season meetings and they feel like they need to do something because they're having a meeting and they just go tinkering with everything. But as it turns out, it's added a little bit more excitement to the game, a la what you had yesterday so um yeah i'm yeah, gonna I mean, have let's to face agree it, Chad, with these pro kickers can make field goals now routinely 45 50 yards unlike when we were younger having them hammer 20 yard extra points like high school and college kickers is probably a waste of time at that point just give them seven points and save uh you know a minute or two of your life watching it now you've turned it into where they need some skill i mean it's still 33 yards in my opinion if it's good conditions a pro kicker should be able to blindfold make, uh, you know, 95 of 100 kicks from 33 yards. But that's not the case. These guys miss them. Um, And then I love the fact that the ball's in play on two-point conversions. I've always said if you're going to try to score two points, the other team should certainly be able to steal that ball and get two points themselves. So I love that. Yeah, um, it's it's certainly worked out for them them here. Uh, I I sincerely hope, though, it doesn't encourage them to just tinker unmercifully – with the game, you know, there is a, such a thing as going overboard, but this has worked out. Uh, I don't know if it was you, Amos, or maybe it was someone I heard on the radio uh, talking about this, but they, they, they said pretty much, I think, a week ago that the Eagles were done, and they certainly looked that way yesterday. Well, you may have heard it in two places. I felt that they were, you know, I, I kind of thought the game that started to take the starch out of the Eagles was the game where my Cowboys beat them in overtime. The Eagles played very well that night. It was a Sunday night game, if fans recall. They had a 10-point lead going to the fourth quarter. Dak Prescott became Dak Prescott again. The Cowboys tie the game, send it to overtime, take the, the opening kickoff in overtime, and just march it down their throat 80 yards or 75 yards for a touchdown game over. And I think from that point forward, the Eagles kind of lost a little bit of that juice, the magic juice they had going. And the other thing, I sent you an article this morning, and this has to be dealt with. A lot of people coming into this draft, did not like Wentz's delivery. And I've sat here with guys watching games, and I'm certainly no Steve Mariucci quarterback expert, but I watched that kid throw a football, and I said to several of my friends, listen, he really, really loads up when he throws. If you watch the time from when he makes a decision to when he releases the ball, it's a big, loopy motion. It isn't Dan Marino. It isn't Troy Aikman. Guys like that. It isn't Dak Prescott who doesn't have a loopy motion. He throws from the, mainly from the ear. He cranks that thing up, and I sent you some pictures later. Read, read the article. They have a slide-by-slide. I mean, he has this thing. It looks like a baseball-throwing motion, and it showed up yesterday. He threw three interceptions, and frankly, the Bengals dropped three more that hit them in the numbers. You know, Emil, uh okay, so th- did he have this motion when they were winning early in the season? Yes, he did, and, and he had it in college as well. And, uh, you know, yes, they. I don't – I, I, I see where you're going with this. Well, how'd they win with it? But I think you've always said this and cautioned our fans and myself once in a while when I get ahead of myself. 
you got to give people chances to look at film and study these guys. So when a guy comes into a league, whether it's a backup quarterback or a rookie quarterback, if they have some success, check it out six or eight weeks later. If they're still having success, the chances are they're pretty good. If they're not, then the question is why? Because something changed. Obviously, they got film on this kid. The Eagles can't score. Yeah. Um, look, uh, maybe he's just a rookie. I mean, have you watched That's Cam Newton too. throw? I've never seen someone's head fly out like that throwing a football, um, like the way that Cam Newton's head flies. I, I mean, his head is a complete and total shake to throw a football, especially deep balls. So, I mean, uh, we could find a quirk with about, you know, what do we have, 32 NFL starters with about well, 27 of them. Let me caution you with Cam. Number one, Cam is never going to be used as a, as a video to throw, show kids how to throw a football. Okay, chances yeah. are you're, you want to show that video, you pull out Marino or Aikman or somebody like that who had perfect mechanics. But Cam is a special athlete. Probably there's very few athletes in the NFL that – are as athletic and big and strong and just able to run like he can and do things that he doesn't have to have a perfect motion. If you put some guys around him, he showed last year, he can win, you know, because he's not just doing it as a pure pocket passer. He does a bunch of stuff well, and he's got a cannon for an arm. So so I think a lot of that loopiness and goofiness in his motion is made up for with the fact that he probably throws the damn thing 85 miles an hour. I mean, yeah, that too. You know, there's some makeup there. Hey, is the pack back 21-13 at home against Houston, or is it just the snow flurries? I know everyone's been on Brock Osweiler's case, but yesterday, 22-35, of 35, 202, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, it ain't his fault. I watched I watched a chunk of that game when I got home from Philly. It was I was back for the second half. It was 7-7. The Packers certainly struggled to move the ball. Uh they put up 7 late in that game to really open it up to 21-13 and frankly Osweiler's numbers are a little bit um deceiving. He his he put up 7 with about 10 seconds left in that game. They they won those drives when it was 21-7. They went down the field and stuck it in the end zone finally against basically what would amount to a prevent. So it was not a great offensive day. Both defenses played well, and the snow didn't help. It's hard to get a good gauge on where Green Bay's at from that game. Let's see them in the coming weeks. I mean, they've played two offensively challenged teams the last couple weeks, and they've held them down, and that's good. That's a start. But we need to see the Packers play better defense against good offensive teams before we get too excited. I think it's all for naught. The Packers aren't going to make it to the end of this thing anyway. I mean, if you just want to say we've made it to the playoffs X amount of years, that's great. I think that's really all that the Packers are fighting for here. The Dolphins came ungodly, mercifully crashing back down. I mean, it was, it's been a nice run, six straight wins, doing a lot of great things. But um, you mentioned it. I second it. Sloppiness in that game against the 49ers. And lo and behold, all came to a head. Uh, when they went to Baltimore and they got smashed by the Ravens, 38-6. Yeah, I was the jerk from Pennsylvania, the Dolphin hater on the show probably, but I'm not a Dolphin hater. I just I'm, I go with what I see, and what I saw with the Dolphins in that six-game streak was some things I liked. They found ways to win, which the Dolphins have not always done, so congratulations there. But as you just pointed out, and there were other games besides the 49er game in that streak where they played bad for three quarters, like against the Rams, the team that we just lit up for ten minutes. They were down ten nothing till there's five minutes left in the game. Are you kidding me? Against a rookie quarterback, yeah. and I just think they they got exposed yesterday. The Ravens have a very good defensive club. 
Um, they play in a, you know, a division that's typically been a tough division this year, not as much with the Browns as bad as they are, but, um, the Dolphins have some work to do. And that game next week against the Cardinals. I think in the first three games, Amel, of the streak, they were playing pretty strong football. Then they went out to San Diego and, you know, think you started to see some things there. I mean, it's tough to maintain in the NFL. Let's just be honest about that. And then, you know, things couldn't really come to a head after the Chargers game because you played two very bad football teams in the Rams and the 49ers. But the signs continued there, and then now you went on the road against a good football team. And what was supposed to happen happened, I guess, in this game. If we're looking out ahead for the, the Miami Dolphins, uh, they've got the Cardinals at home, certainly a game that they could win, especially with the Cardinals off of a win and the, the Dolphins home uh, off of a loss. Then they're, they're at the Jets. Um, New York having all sorts of trouble, but that's never an easy game for the Dolphins. You know, I'm going to go ahead and put a stroke there in a win column for them, and then you're at the Bills and Patriots, two very difficult games for them to win. I think at at best we're going to see the Dolphins as a 9-7 and football team this year that misses the playoffs. Right, and that's still improvement. I agree with you. I mean, I think think Dolphin fans aren't going to be happy hearing that, and hopefully they'll prove us wrong. I hope they win their last four games and make the playoffs. I I like teams like the Dolphins being good. I think it's good for the NFL. I just don't see them as a 10-6 and team. I think you're right, 9-7 and and some incremental improvement, and then they build going into next year. I think that's what, if you're a Dolphin fan, anything above that is gravy. Yeah, um, I think we can both, you know, agree on that one. All right, um, I've got to be honest, Emil. The, the the Super Bowl I want to see are the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah, you know I'm a little closet Seattle Seahawks fan, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Cowboys versus Raiders, simply because two historical teams in the uh, National Football League, and somehow, some way through the years, this has just never happened in a in an uh, in a Super Bowl. You know my feeling. That I think other other than Cowboys Steelers, I'm not sure the NFL would would like a Super Bowl better than Cowboys Raiders. You got two, uh, you got the biggest fan base in the Cowboys, and the Raiders are certainly in the top four with the Steelers and Packers. I mean, the Raider fan base is huge up here in Pennsylvania. We have Raider clubs, bars where people go and watch Raider games, and they advertise. Um, huge fan base, the Raiders. So I mean, I think it'd be a great game for the sport. And right now, they're both in position to get there. Let's see what happens. There's a big one happening Thursday. We'll talk about, uh, you know, we might as well talk about it a little bit now because it dovetails with yesterday, but the Raiders-Chiefs are playing Thursday in Kansas City, and amazingly, as well as the Raiders have played, and this is hard for some people to believe, the Raiders lose that game Thursday. They're actually in second place because the Chiefs will have won both head-to-head meetings. Yeah, um... So that just goes to show you what's going on in that division. I, uh, you know, I guess we'll get to that point and we'll pick it, but, um, you know, we'll just have to we'll just have to see we'll we'll have to see how that one. The goes. Raiders look great. How about the? But you know, like you're going to talk about it in the pick yesterday. section. But you you went against. Yeah, the I like the You can talk about the pick section. And obviously, I had a pick on the game, so we'll get more into it yeah. at that point later. Steelers and Giants. Um, you know, I. I the Steelers went out and played themselves a game. The Giants look like they have all year, and but they lost this game. This is the kind of game they've been winning in the past, though. Yeah, the, you know, I don't like to ever use the smoke and mirrors in the NFL because I think winning in the NFL is just hard. I think it's harder than fans realize. This league has a lot of parity in it. So the Giants were certainly 8-3 and three coming in, and they, they earned that. But there was those cracks that we talked about where, you know, you just said it. They won these games, but... 
you wanted to see a little dominance once in a while, and it just seemed like they never they never really dominated. And I think yesterday just caught up with them. Um, Eli threw some horrible picks in that game yesterday. I mean, just oh my god. I saw two of the hey, two no one of them in the picks with style like Eli Manning. All right, so um, that's just what he does. All right, let's get to the pick section because uh, you know I don't we can get into the Seahawks game because somebody uh, out of the two of us picked the Seahawks in this one. We can talk about the NFL. My part will be very brief. I had Atlanta as a four and a half point favorite. We know how that went. I took the Saints um, as a six and a half point favorite. We know how that went. And then I took the Bills who uh, looked good for a while, then suddenly didn't look good anymore. So I took a collar yesterday, Emil, and I know that makes you happy. It allowed you to make up some ground. I just want to provide some drama for our fans so that they don't turn off this competition too early in the season. No. What am I doing there? Believe it or not, believe it or not, I have a hard time rooting against you in the pick section because I like for our listeners to get good picks from us. So I, I don't approach it that way. I just look at it. It's going to play itself out regardless. Yes, you were 0-3. You had been doing pretty well. Uh, that puts you now at 18, 19, and two pushes for the NFL. Now, I, I, I got your money back, folks, because this time I made up for Chad, unlike the rest of the season. Um, I went 3-0. and I started with that Packer game. They were given 6.5. Uh, they had a 14-point lead, so even though the game ended up at 8, you were pretty comfortable in those last couple minutes. Packers cover that one. Then I went with uh, the Detroit Lions. Chad and I went head-to-head on this game. I, I just, I'm not, you know, I think the Saints get a lot of credibility with the, the fans and the media because they score so many points and that's entertaining. But against good teams, I'm just, I'm not buying it. I mean, I still love Drew Brees, great guy, but I don't buy it. And the Lions didn't buy it. They they pretty much dominate this game beginning to end. You got six and a half points. They won outright by, I think, 15 or something like that. Easy winner. And then finally, which probably is my pick of the day, I just figured the Seahawks were going to be pissed last night. I looked and I said, look, I got two forces coming together. I got the Carolina Panthers, who pretty much ended their season the week before on the West Coast when they lost against the Raiders. They stayed out there for a week, probably enjoyed the beach and sunshine after practice. And the Seahawks uh, come in off a loss to Tampa Bay, pissed to holy hell. And it showed, final score 40-7. to yeah. So uh, yeah, I go 3-0. Uh, they matched them from the word go. Yeah. Yeah, so they look 17, 20, well, I mean, and 2 for me. Agree? I mean, the Seahawks looked scary. They rushed for over 200 yards in this game. Um, Russell Wilson looking like Russell Wilson, 26 of 36, 277. Uh, a touchdown and an interception, but spread the ball around. Uh, Graham, six receptions. Baldwin, seven. Curse, five. You know, Tyler Lockett came out of nowhere. Seahawks looking good, man. Oh, no, J.J. Walker would give them a dynamite. From last night, that's no, what they no, were. No, they were. We don't need to do that again. <laughs> they were unbelievable. Record, Help us. What is your record in the NFL right now? Seventeen wins, twenty losses, a couple pushes. I'm a game behind you in the NFL. Is that right? We'll have to do something about that. All right. Uh, that's pretty much your. Oh no, no, that's not it. We do need to talk about this fantasy football focus, where a gap seems to be closing. So let's jump on that. And, again, the Fantasy Football Focus on the Gridiron Stud Show is sponsored by FanDuel. Head over to FanDuel right now and join in on the daily fantasy football sports uh, and daily fantasy sports craze. Um, Can't get myself together here. I'm so excited about this win that I got. Amos, you know, close in on you. But, nevertheless, FanDuel.com. Head over there right now. Jump on the daily fantasy sports. They've got basketball, soccer, football, anything that you – 
want to jump on right there. Take your knowledge in sports and turn it into uh, some money. They've got uh, small entry fees to games, big prizes to give out. They can help you out if you are uh, a beginner, so you don't have to jump in there with the real sharks. Or if you feel like you're that kind of guy, you can jump into those big games with uh, all of the experience. Either way, you can even start your own leagues, and you can earn bragging rights amongst your friends. So get over there right now. Find out what it's all about. When you sign up, use the promo code GOODIRONSTUDS. You can start yourself off with a nice bonus at FanDuel.com. All right. Here's what, how it went down this weekend. Now, um, you know, I had a nice little three-game winning streak going. Uh, lost it last week. But then I come back with another win, Emil. That's three out of four, man. I think, um, you know, I think you better I think you better watch out there, my friend. Yeah, you're on a roll. You're, you're, you're rolling me in this, in this uh, fantasy lately. I'll give you that. All right, so let's talk about what I did. I went with Russell Wilson. I figure after the loss against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Seahawks got to come back and win, and boy, did they ever. And I figure if they're winning, Russell Wilson's got to be doing something good because that's usually how this thing works out. He didn't exactly go off last night. Did very well passing, just didn't find the end zone a whole bunch, but um, nevertheless was able to pull up 17 points for me, so I was happy about that. The Denver Broncos didn't look like I thought they would in their game at Jacksonville. It was actually more of a struggle than I thought it would be. Uh, perhaps that's because they didn't run the ball the way I thought You know, a team trying to get back their mojo would and should run the ball. Nevertheless, they did enough to win. And, you know, uh, my pick as a running back, you know, Booker, uh, was able to do enough to, you know, get into the double digits. But 18 carries for 35 yards. Thank God he found the end zone, so he was able to get me 10.2 points in that. And then finally I did the little stack with Baldwin. Um, as I thought, if Russell Wilson was doing great things, then somewhere in there, Doug Baldwin's got to be doing something good. Um, he didn't go off. He didn't go nuts. But, he, you know, again, he did enough. Ten points. I ended up with 37 points in the game. You can talk about what you did there. I'll tell you the point. Okay. Let's start with <laughs> Let's start with my quarterback. Ahead, Let us know what you did there. I, I took Colin Kaepernick. He should have stayed on a knee. Okay. You know how in boxing you get hit and you're on a knee? They ended up putting him on a knee. Yes, yes. They put him on the bench, but uh, they, he should have just stayed on his knee from, from national anthem forward, just like a boxer when he's hit. Stays down, stay down. When Mick yells, stay down. Matt, uh, hey, Kaepernick you know went one. <laughs> yeah, you know what I don't get, Emil? Um I mean, tying this all in, um, you know, if, if, if we're upset about Jeff Fisher, um, being extended by the Rams. I'm not understanding Chip Kelly trying to stay away from college football and stay in the NFL. This 49ers franchise isn't going any, anywhere. He's going to continue to tarnish his image as a as a coach. He might be losing some of his luster. Um, I don't understand what he's doing here with the 49ers and why he's trying to hang on to this. He's going to ultimately lose this job. And then, you know, what's his worth going back into the college football? You think that's being diminished at all? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't say oh yes because I think I think what's happened in college to a degree sometimes these guys because of Nick Saban and others who have tried that failed came back like Spurrier and done very well. I think they almost get a pass. Most a lot of fans look and say, and a lot of ads, ah, it's a different game. It wasn't his game. I don't know. I think why is he staying? I think Chip's a competitor, like most people involved in athletics, and in his mind so he goes home at night and says, why. Well, so oh, yeah, away. I agree with you. But he, what do you think he tells himself? He says, listen, I don't have a quarterback. I don't have this. I mean, he's convincing himself because it's very hard to self. We all struggle as humans with that. That's why you need a good, close group of friends 
that when you get off track, you have a friend that's comfortable enough saying, hey, bud, you might not want to do that or, you know, you're hurting yourself here. You know, if you don't have friends like that or people in your life to, to kind of set you straight, sometimes you, you believe your own bullshit. And I think he's kind of believing his own bullshit right now. I mean, getting on, you know, look at my quarterback yesterday. Now tell me this is, you know, if you're the coach, this is what your starting quarterback did. One for five for four yards, and he ran six times for 20 yards before being benched against the mighty Bears defense, the three and nine Bears. His backup came in and went four for ten for thirty-five yards. How about oh. them? How about them apples? As a team, they passed for thirty-nine yards yesterday. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I have a question. How do you only throw fifteen passes in a game you're losing by twenty points? You mean you just your head is being held on the water and you're drowning? So, um, but that's Chip. Yeah, he I wants guess. to stay in the NFL. He wants to do that every Sunday for the next few years. All right, continuing on with your fantasy team. By the way, a Trojan oh, did the way, him yesterday. Um, Matt, Matt Barkley was the starting quarterback for the Bears. 2.2 points. Amel. 2.2 points. Okay. Now, then I moved along, and I figured, you know, the Saints, maybe they try to play a little bit more balanced football because they have a decent oh, team coming that? to town. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what they that don't is. even know what that is. No, they don't know what that is. They played the Lions yesterday, so I figured, let me take Mark Ingram. You know, maybe they'll run the ball with Mark Ingram. Well, the Saints tried 12 total rushes in this game yesterday. Mark Ingram got seven of them for 37 yards. Uh, he did bad. catch five passes for 16 yards. So what that net me, about four or five points? 7.8 points in total you got from Mark Ingram. And be thankful for that, <sighs> given how the Saints Lord Almighty. This and then finally, my only credible pick of the day, he didn't find the end zone unless my uh, – Yeah, that was unless my problem. Uh, but you, you pegged this right, though, Emil. Well, I mean, they have to throw it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, with God Almighty, out, with Gronk out, Edelman became you know just about the main target. He was tied for the lead in the uh, the most receptions for the Patriots in this game and had the most yards receiving. However, um, when you're dealing with the Patriots, like I did the week before with Legarrette Blount, you just never know who's going to be that guy this week. And um, you know Brady only threw one touchdown, which you know who would have seen that coming? But he threw it to your guy Chris Hogan, and we did bring him up, right? Yes, well, I, I no. Well, the way we brought him up is I didn't know his name. I said the little fast white guy that runs around for the Patriots, and you said Amendola. I said I know who Amendola is, and I know who Edelman is. I have yeah, no idea well, who this guy is. I bet you know Chris Hogan now. He's the guy that caught the touchdown pass yesterday. If it would have been Edelman, Edelman, you would have, uh, you would have. This would have been a bit of a closer game. So you got ten points uh, for Edelman, and uh, you ended up with twenty points total on the day. Uh, I win this one, thirty-seven. Uh, point two to twenty. So I'm rolling up on you. I think it's four and five now. Ouch. Right? Four to five. Yeah, that was out. It's five and four. You're you're four and five. So if you win next week, we're dead even. We have this push till the end of the season. It's going to be tight. Yeah, that that's how it that's how it should be. All right, that's NFL wrapped up. We're going to take a quick break, a very quick break. And when we get back, we'll talk about championship weekend in the NFL. We've already abused the whole college football playoff thing, so we're not going to get back on that. But we'll talk about what we observed in uh, championship games this week in the college football. We'll be right back right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit squidironstuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. 
Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridEyeStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. All right, we're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hey, folks, it's the, now is the time to get free health insurance for you and your loved ones. Primary care insurance is now enrolling individuals into their Obamacare insurance plan, so call today, 954-278-8696. That's correct. Free health insurance, Obamacare, is now available from November 1st to January 31st. So it's urgent that you call today, 954-278-8696. Let them know that you heard about it on the Gridiron Stud Show. Open enrollment only comes once a year. This means that government is willing to pay for your health insurance needs. So don't miss out on your opportunity. The time to get free health insurance for you and your family is now. Please call 954-278-8696 or visit them now on their website, OptimumNationalInsurance.com. That's OptimumNationalInsurance.com. All right, Amalona, let's just get this out of the way. I'd much rather tackle this one first than to sit around here waiting for it. SEC championship game. Um, I was there front and center live and in person to watch this game go down. And uh, many folks had their opinions about this game, and they were all pretty much the same as to how this thing was going to go down and that it was going to be a complete one-sided affair uh, in terms of uh, Alabama versus Florida. And that's exactly how this thing played out. Emil, as you sit there and you watch this thing in person, you really just got to say to yourself, man, Alabama's not losing anytime soon. You know, you thought maybe the Alabama – uh, dynasty may have peaked uh, maybe two or three years ago, whatever the case may be, or maybe uh, it peaked last year when they go and win the college football playoff against Clemson. Emil, it looks like it's just getting started. Emil, they were just bigger. They were faster. They were just better at every single phase of the game. They jogged out the locker room better. They went in at halftime better. They had a better, you know, they they were they were they did better halftime interviews. The band was better. The cheerleaders were better. Everything was just better. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they they're, you know. A, they couldn't tackle a punt returner. I mean, they're mutants out there. And so um, it's just, it's amazing to watch this happen. You got to wonder what exactly is the price that's being paid. Um, I just have noticed this, and you, you and everyone else has noticed this. Uh, coaches seem to be burnt out when they leave out of uh, Alabama. They'll talk about it. Um, the players um, and I listen, it's going to sound like I'm being very negative against Alabama. I'm going to sound like a hater right now. But the players don't really perform all that well at the next level when they go to the NFL. So you just got to wonder, what is the price that's being paid to look like Alabama looks right now? And that just looks like the, the damnedest thing well, I've ever seen in college football. A couple observations. I, I'm going to say this. You You might give me a fight with your team and you know there's some other great dynasties over the years but given the parity in college football today i might consider this the greatest college football dynasty ever if they and win I'm this not, year that's no, fine i'm not ready to throw a drink in your face for saying that um i think a, i think a big part of this too um and and this is where they may fall short is aside from what was done on the field by that 2001 college football team the miami hurricanes it's what occurred uh at the next level, too, that also added to the legend. And and while we oh, yeah. see Alabama be as good as they are right now, I don't know that um, they're going to be able to do that at the next level because, as I said, no. these players look like they're done with football by the time they leave Alabama. 
And that's going to dovetail into what I'm going to say. I mean, I think if you're just looking at performance in college football and the parity in college football, you know, it's hard to say if they win this year five and nine years. With the parity that we know exists, we've talked about it many times in the show. It's hard to say it's not the greatest dynasty, but I think to your point, what happens with Alabama, and this is what I observe, I think they recruit guys from high school that are very close to their college ceiling. In other words, they get guys that are almost ready to walk in and play right out of high school. They get these guys that they make them bigger and stronger. They have a phenomenal strength program. You could see that by looking at their players, and I'm sure it was evident to you when they walked on the field just how much different their players well, hold look that thought. than Let your. Let me stop you right there. You know, I happened to go to Alabama this uh, summer uh, with a yeah. number of players, and I, I, it's not the first time that I've got gone to Alabama. But I distinctly remember as part of uh, my time there at Alabama was uh, there, we happened to be there during a time when the players were doing a weight room session. Emil, it was the most uh, it was it was the most n- no nonsense thing that I've seen happen in a weight room. And we went hard when I was at the University of Miami. There's no doubt about that. Um, but this thing was just it was cr- no one was messing around in there. There was absolutely no messing around. Um, there, was, uh, there was instructions being shouted. Guys were moving from place to place. And um, you just did, there was no idle chatter. They were going at it and they were going at it extremely hard. As a matter of fact, the only person that I saw dilly-dallying around there, if I could use that word, was D. Milner, who was back, you know, he was in the offseason from the Jets, um, and back, just trying to get some work in, and wasn't doing much work at all there, just more, you know, hanging out um, and halfway doing a workout, but he wasn't under the watchful eye of Saban and everyone else. But the rest of those guys that were there on scholarship, absolutely no BSing. From the punter to the walk-on to everyone else, it was a, it just looked like a factory, like they were just making music right. in there. And that's not, you know, if you want to win college football games, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that. But where I'm going with this is I think they get these kids from high school that are almost ready to play. That's why you see a lot of their stud freshmen make big impacts, okay? Then they get them there. They put them in this weight program. And they take a kid who's really close to that college ceiling, come out of high school. They make the kid enormous and strong, and they're, they're bigger and stronger and faster than most college teams. But to your point at the next level, I'm not sure there's much room for growth with a lot of the kids they get. They recruit to win college football games. So they, they don't really give a – they're not interested, in my opinion, in taking the three-star and, and, and bringing out the best in him and showing him, buffing him out like a nice diamond. You know, and find, you know they get a three-star, and when he leaves, he's a five-star, and they made him bigger and faster and stronger. They're, they want the five-star, yeah, and then they'll really – even pump. a conscious thought about that. You're here to win and be the, and be a part of the best dynasty in college football right now. And then what you do past this really is on you. But while you're here, this is what you're going to do. We're going to make ourselves unbeatable on Saturday. And that's uh, just right. kind of where they're at. That's where they're at. Well, consider a mission accomplished because I'm going to say this, and you, you can think about this, and maybe you can talk about it on one of the shows this week when you're on. I want you to ponder this. I watch this team. This may be his best team that he's had. It might be. It, it might be, Emil, because just sitting there and watching it, they were just outstanding in every phase. Now, I'm not blown away, really, by their offense, and I'm still not. Um, I, I knew this going in and still watching it, 
they just happen to exploit a certain thing on Florida's defense that others have this season. And, you know, as smart as they are, they saw it. No, no real adjustments had been made to it by Florida. And so, you know, Alabama was just the next team to exploit that. And so they did it. But, uh, you know, their passing game, if you keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, as Florida was successful in doing, um, then he's, you know, really an average quarterback. But that's the only thing. He was 11 of 20 uh, for 138 yards. He did have a touchdown pass in the game. It just didn't look very comfortable back there with Florida um, covering their wideouts and keeping him in the pocket and bringing a little pressure. But otherwise, everything else, um, they were just outstanding. Special teams, they blocked a kick. Um, Florida couldn't tackle their punt returner. They blocked well on it. The, the, the blocking was going on. I'm watching this from a coaching standpoint. So I'm not just watching the ball. I'm watching other things going on. So I'm watching this guy on a punt return. Then I'm looking at the blocks and just how much blocking is going on. Um, and they're doing that well. And they're executing on defense. And they take away what it is you do best. And the DBs are flying around. And they're just so fast on defense. You've got middle linebackers going out and, and, and stopping a slot from getting what should be a 10-yard gain, turning it into a two-yard gain. It's just outstanding. It might very well be um, his best team. And I think, you know, the playoffs will tell you that. If they go and march through all of these opponents, you're going to have to take your hat off to them and say that that is the case. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, we can argue about who should be in these playoffs, but they're certainly not playing any teams that are garbage in these other three teams. So if they destroy them, it's going to be hard to argue any other way. Uh, and at this point, given what I've seen defensively, especially like point things you just point out, I just I think teams when these when this team's amped up, I think you have a hard time moving the ball against them. I think the true symbol of the gap between these two teams playing in this game um, was uh, you know Florida had a big play on a screen. The running back ran it all the way down and got pushed out at the two yard line. And then, and in my mind, I may have even said it to Carmen like. I don't think they're going to score here. I mean, he might have been better off going out at the 10-yard line or, yeah, or right. <laughs> you know, asking help from God uh, when he had the two to try and get him in the end zone somehow on that big play because it's going to be really tough now. And Florida could get nothing from that two-yard line going in. There was one play with Jordan Scarlett going up the middle, and he wanted to dive. He wanted to dive over the top. And the moment his cleats left the ground, he was slammed um, and hit underneath. He was hit everywhere. It seemed like 13 guys were on the field. And they just put up such a wall there, and they just seemed so much stronger and better. It was a true symbol of uh, what the final score was. And there's a 38-point gap between Florida and Alabama right now. And I dare say between Florida, uh, between Alabama and just about everyone in the conference um, right now, especially anyone from the East. So um, I've got this to say, Amol, and you, I, let me know how you feel about this. Um, and, again, I might sound like a hater, but I think, I think Nick Saban may be, may be ruining the SEC. He may be doing that. I think he may be well, keeping. Well, you know what? You know what I told somebody on social media last week, and I and I, I, I apologized to you in advance because I said I'm kind of screwing with them, and you said that I was right. I, this guy was going on about LSU. I said LSU. I said the SEC is Alabama and the thirteen little bitches. I mean, who the hell are you kidding? You yeah, I, the I, SEC. I mean, uh, maybe maybe not the words I would have chosen, but essentially you're hitting it on the head. You've got. I keep hearing it from the media, and it might be true. Oh man, you don't you don't want to go to, to to that school. You don't want to coach at that school and have to face Saban every year. I'm hearing that over and over and over, and it may be keeping coaches away from this conference. And so if they're not going here, they're going somewhere. And so the Big Ten is starting to stack up a bit of, a, a pretty good line of coaches, and the Pac-12 is doing that. And guys are just afraid 
to go into this conference and run into a game like, you know, what you had here in this championship game. No one wants that on their resume. And so essentially he may be dragging down this conference, believe it or not. His greatness may be indeed taking some of the luster off of him. I want to say this. I want to say this, and I say it knowing that, again, I'm not saying I don't think anybody's beating Alabama. However, to your point earlier in the show, I would like to see USC with this quarterback starting right now play Alabama because he's the kind of kid that would give Alabama the most trouble. He's 6'4", 220. He's Johnny Manziel with four extra inches, 30 extra pounds, and a rocket launcher for an arm. The kid can run and throw. That's the kind of kid, if anybody's going to give Alabama problems. That's the only kind of thing that's going to give you a chance against this team. You have to have a Cam Newton type um, like that. And that's what this kid from USC is. I mean, he is that that kid. He can yeah. take the beat. Uh, he's six four, two thirty. So, um, is JT Barrett going to be that? If they happen to meet, um, shoot, man, I, I, I don't know. Washington doesn't have that guy. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where we go. Clemson would tell I, you I, they have that guy. Clemson will tell you they, they do, have but that. But then they're guy. missing a whole bunch of other things. And namely, you let th- Virginia Tech score thirty five points on you in the ACC championship game. You know that's. It's not a good look. It's just not. I guess that's where we're going no. next. And, yeah, that game, that's not going to work for you. I mean, again, this was one of the reasons I wanted to give Clemson one last chance to impress me in my mental four-team playoff. And, you know, I said, okay, go drill Virginia Tech, who's a decent football team. And, and maybe I'll say, okay, you know, yeah, you know, I'm going to give you some I'm going to give you some points for last year and I'll put you in. But you know what? 42-35, as you said, against Virginia Tech, the 35 sticks out to me. Too many points. Again, this is why, for me, it would have been real easy to to leave Clemson out and let their fans bellyache. Would have been real easy for me. Yeah, I, you know, um, this is a championship game. All right, this is not some ho hum game in October the, ahead of a, a rivalry game where okay, you let your mind slip a little bit. This is a championship game. There's a build up to this, and then you know you end up 42. 42- 35 against Virginia Tech. Uh, I do have to say this, though. I, I mean, uh, why is the ACC championship game at Camping World Stadium? You know, formerly Citrus Bowl. That's the venue? You got me. No I mean, idea. Come on. <laughs> come on, ACC. I don't you know. Guys, what, right, what, what are you doing there? All right, so, uh, you know, that was that. Uh, we can go back what to Friday night. What did you see, by the way, Saturday? Did you get to watch the Big Ten and the ACC? Were you around TVs at that point in the day? Um, off and on, you know, so I saw the I saw the last part of uh, Wisconsin and Penn State um, in a restaurant. So I was trying to stuff my face and look at a TV. And, you know, when you're in a restaurant, um, there's no sound. So you're just kind of watching the pictures and, you know, making out what's happened here. Um, and, you know, I do understand that, um, you know, Wisconsin had a healthy lead in this game and gave it all away. Penn State comes up with 24 second-half points, outscores them 24-3, um, and, and Wisconsin Wisconsin faithful and, and players were very upset about that. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I watched this entire game. We were in Philly. We, we got done with dinner. We went to a nice bar there. We watched the first half there. We went back to the room. We watched the second half. My wife and I, she, she likes Penn State games. So we watched it. I'm going to tell you right now, I said this during the game. You go back. I want you, if you get a chance this week, to see if you can catch some of that game on ESPN. I'm sure they'll replay it. This was totally about Penn State's coaches, for me, cleaning Wisconsin's coaches' clocks in this game. 
as far as adjustments yeah, and strategy. First of all, pardon? Outcoached, huh? You know my favorite guy is at Wisconsin defensively, Justin Wilcox. Remember him? Right. Mm-hmm. And then we got Paul Christ. He was at Pitt. And Pitt scoring 45 points a game with a lot of his same players after he left. Wisconsin ran the ball for 240 yards in this game. They were getting five yards of carry up the middle. Penn State could not stop Wisconsin with their front four. It just was a physical mismatch. To Penn State's credit, though, after falling behind 28-7, the light bulb went on. They said, you know what? We don't have to stop them with the front four because two things. One, Wisconsin had a quarterback that I'm telling you right now, I told my wife this, there's kids playing high school football in California and Florida this season that are better than Wisconsin's quarterback. And he That's was a senior. always been the case for the Badgers. Yes. But here's what really perplexed I mean, the me. The only exception game. was Russell Wilson transferring there. Other than that, that's just what they get at quarterback there. Yes, and then they're running up the middle, Chad, for five, six yards. I mean, just holes. For some inexplicable reason, he, they're running stretch plays and slow-developing plays into run blitzes because Penn State at a certain point said, F it. They were down 28-7. They said, if we just sit in this defense, these guys are going to gouge us for seven yards a pop. We're going to take a chance that they're not going to go play action. Even if they do, the quarterback can't execute it. And number two, we're going to start bringing corners and different people off the edge. Every time Wisconsin had a negative play, it seemed like they're running some sort of slow-developing stretch play that isn't between you know the guards. I don't know why they wanted to do it. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. But Penn you know, State's coaches... As a play caller, you get caught up doing something and maybe all right you were running up the middle up the middle you were having a good little bit of success maybe they stopped one in that series and you decided to you know try a pass play at work and then you you stay on that streak of pass plays and you forget to come back to your base um and i'm just giving that to you from a coach's perspective and um you stay too long with this with the other thing with the you stay too long with the side dish you don't come back to your rib plate so uh, if you could just look at it as someone in a restaurant, you ordered some ribs, and uh, let's say you've got a side of some beans there, and you started eating the ribs, and then you took a taste of the beans, and they were good, and you just went and finished a whole bowl of beans, and you forgot to get back to the damn rib plate, and I think that's what happened to Wisconsin there. It's it's a good analogy, and you know with a 28-7 lead and the type of offense that Wisconsin plays and the advantage they had up front, especially their offensive line versus Penn State's defensive line, there's no reason to lose this football game. I will say this, and I, I warn Penn State friends of mine up here, they're all worried about not being in this playoff. You better be ready on January 2nd because, trust me, if you're not, you're going to get blown out of the, the, the Rose Bowl. Cause well, I'm we know how you, things go, Amo. You and I have been watching this, uh, this whole college football thing for quite some time. When you get your mouth watering, all right, and I, I sound like someone that it's time for lunchtime, but if you yeah, get you do. your mouth watering for a steak and um they come out and and you know bring you uh let's say a uh some kind of meatloaf how 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 zesty are you going to go through that plate of meatloaf you really wanted a steak so for penn state they really thought hey we won this whole big 10 championship thing and it seems that this college football committee gives some reverence to winning your conference and we're going to be in this 14 college playoff? I mean, wow, how amazing for us. And then you get the bad news on, on Sunday, and you're not going. And now you're going to go well, to the Rose Bowl, which 
No one would ever think of it this way, but under this circumstances, that's a letdown for Penn State. And if you're not fully focused, Penn State, and you're going to go play this USC team that I have suggested, and I know in the back of your mind down there somewhere, you know they should be in this 14 college football playoff. You can get your behind ran up off this field in this in this Rose Bowl game. The only thing I will say, I think I'm not a huge Franklin fan in terms of his in-game management. He made some goofy decisions in this game. He went for a fourth and two on his own 45-yard line in the second quarter, basically handed Wisconsin seven points. But he's a, he is a very good motivator. The kids love him and a very good recruiter. He handled it very well. I heard his interview driving yesterday um, on ESPN Radio right when they announced it, and he said, listen, it's a very tough job. I have not. You know, we've had a great season. We're, we're, and he sounded genuine here. He said we're very excited about the game and who we're going to play and where we're going to play. He said I wouldn't have wanted their job. Something to their that effect. He didn't go in any kind of Jim Harbaugh rant. I think Penn State will take the game seriously. I just don't think they understand they're playing a team that's probably as talented as any of those teams in that playoff, other than Alabama. And I hope you know. Yeah, I want to you know, see a good Penn game. State. Amo, they probably were better off getting in that playoff. <laughs> Well, you know what USC's opening line in this game is, and that doesn't mean it's going to happen, but this is what Vegas thinks to open the game. They open USC as a seven-and-a-half point favorite. So that tells yeah, you that what tells they you think of Penn State in the playoff. Yeah, it tells you everything yeah. you need to know about Penn State possibly making that playoff. All right, uh, big game, Bob. Won the big game, 38-20. You know, I question whether he'd be able to do it. You put your faith in the guy. and Hey, man, one of these rare times he paid off for you. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, this is not the kind of game he really, like, loses, loses. Like, you know, that we, there's a different level of big game. This was the Bedlam game. It kind of just made its way into being the, the de facto championship game for the Big 12 by accident. And uh, I, I kind of thought the way Oklahoma played in the second half of the season, they were very impressive. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do in their bowl game against Auburn because I think Auburn will come to play that game. I mean, Auburn wants to end this season on a high note. They got a bad taste in their mouth the last couple of games in the season. And we'll see if Oklahoma has the defense um, to hold up. I mean, you know, they play in this basketball league where nobody seems to be interested in defense. So I'm curious to see how they do in that bowl game against Auburn. Yeah, quite interesting. All right, let's wrap up uh, this edition of the show with our picks. Uh, they both, we both did well there this week. Um, let me go first, since you, you had a rare winning day, and I want you to shine on the way out with that one. Um, I started off on Friday. Oh, boy, uh, that's, oh, that hurt. That hurt. Yeah, that there, hurt. well, look, oh, facts like. are facts, okay? Hashtag facts, as everyone likes to throw around. It's just <laughs> okay. that kind of season for you right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> both of us had Washington. Uh, that, I think that was easy for us to see. A great season by Colorado, uh, but when Washington is turned all the way up, um, they're just a better team than Colorado right now. I have all the utmost respect for Colorado and what they've been able to do and McIntyre and what he's done there, and hopefully they could sustain it. But they're just uh, – I think they were outmatched, outclassed, and that showed itself in this game, 41-10 to 10 in the championship game. Uh, I was opposite you on the TCU-Kansas um, State game. As much as respect as I have for uh, Bill Snyder, I just decided to fade him here as an underdog, and I yeah, I learned my lesson. Uh, TCU wasn't up for the task. Uh, Kansas State sure was. Punched him all all in the mouth, and uh, that was a runaway blowout. So I took that was my only loss on the day. And then uh, I went with the I went with the late one um, on Saturday, or, or was that Friday or Saturday? Wyoming. And, uh, that was on uh, Saturday. Saturday. Wyoming, yeah, you, you, San Diego State. 
Yep. Yeah, good to see these two game, two teams there. You know, San Diego yeah. State was a team I almost committed to out of high school, uh, but Dad said no, and 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 you know the ways that dads can say things to you, and uh, and in Wyoming, who's been missing from the scene for quite some time. Good to see these two there. They put together a pretty good football game. San Diego State ended up winning it, but only by a touchdown. And since they were uh, fairly uh, big underdogs in this one, six and a half, I, I was able to get a win there. So two and one on the day. Where am I on the season? You're 23 and 19. San Diego State won by three. You said a touchdown. 27-24. You got the cover. And honestly, it was never really in doubt. Wyoming hung in that game all all after um, all evening. So yeah, you're 23 and 19 on the season. Good job there. Uh, yeah, you 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 hit two of mine. I, I was two and one as well. Washington was my winner. Kansas State. I just stayed with principles. I like Bill Snyder as an underdog, and frankly, I think TCU had their season when they they, they just wanted to beat Texas's ass the week before, and they did. And I think that right. it was very hard for them to get up for this game. So that was my win. My lone loss. I took West Virginia. Very disappointed. I mean, if, as disappointed as you can be in a team finishing 10-2, and two, which is an excellent season for them, I thought they should have drilled Baylor in this game, and uh, they really let them hang around and, you know, snuck out of there with a 24-21 yeah, win. So I go, yeah, I go 2-1. and one, uh, It puts me at 18-23 with a push in college this season. All right, well, there you have it. That's, that's where we are. That's a solid week there, Emil. I mean, uh, who can complain with what we – we're able to do five and one, but you know what? Overall, the all I did is I picked up three games. I'm still five and a half overall behind you. You're 41 and 38 with uh, two pushes for the season. I'm 35 and 43 with three pushes. So uh, I got yeah, some work to, to do here in the end. Uh, yeah, I'll look to avoid an epic meltdown crash um, uh, going out here to uh, let you back in this thing. You know what I mean? So I intend to uh, yes. come back at least that horrible NFL weekend that I have. So. Uh, we're gonna we're out of here. Uh, that's a wrap of the weekend. I'm on again tomorrow talking college and uh, NFL football and anything else that might happen here in the next 24 hours. Emil rejoins me at the end of the week. Please stay tuned for that. I don't think I'm going to be able to do a, uh, a a football Friday edition, and that's for good reason, Emil. We won our playoff game, our semifinal playoff game on Friday night, and that puts us in a championship game at Camping World Stadium. Camping World Stadium is used for nice. You realize that. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll go Thursday. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So y'all stay tuned. Um, And again, I'm back on tomorrow. Emil joins me later on in the week. And we'll uh, get y'all set up for everything that you need to know. Pro, college, high school. We do it all here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We very much appreciate you listening to us. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. high school recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.